Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. So today I want to talk, you know, I'll just talk a little bit about, so the message is sort of about Pentecost, but not. I really want to teach from John chapter 7, so two passages today, John 7, 37 through 39, and then Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12. And so the reason we celebrate uh, we don't really, the Pentecost is not really a big celebration as far as the church today, although we have it on our calendar, but it commemorates the day, as Phil said, that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. So that if you'll remember that Jesus, when, on the day that he resurrected, he, he rose from the grave and he meets with his disciples in the upper room. And when he's meeting with them, he kind of walks through the door. They're scared to death. And he says, remember, he says, peace, peace be unto you. And then it says that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So if you look back in Genesis, when God created man, it said God formed man to the uh, dust of the ground. And then what did God do to bring man to life? He breathed into him. So when Jesus is breathing on the disciples, it's literally a a replication of what God did when God created Adam. And, And we see this as the time that the disciples were born again. They got saved. Because although Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, and He breathed on them, I believe when he, God breathes on you, you're going you're gonna to notice something. I mean, pretty hard for Jesus to breathe and say, receive the Holy Spirit, and something not happen. However, it says that that was Resurrection Day, and then we know that Jesus taught them for the next 40 days. He was with them 40 days. It says He was teaching them and showing them things about the kingdom of God. And then on Ascension Day, which was 40 days later, the day that he leaves, he says that I, I want you guys to remain in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, some, some translations will say to tarry or to remain. He says, I want you to wait right here because I want you to wait here until you're endued or clothed with power from on high. And he says, although I gave you and breathed the Holy Spirit into you, I don't want you to go out and witness and be a witness until you receive power. And so that's when we get to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, He says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other most parts of the earth. And so he says that I'm breathing life into you, but there's more. And I don't want you to go out. I know you're my apostles. I know you've been with me for three years. You've seen the miracles. You've witnessed my teaching. You've seen it all. But I want you to wait until you receive power. And he says, when you receive power, you will be what? I'm going to say it again. And you will receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses. So a lot of people think that says do witnessing. He doesn't say you'll do witnessing. He says you'll be something. You will receive power, and you will be a witness. So sometimes being a witness could be saying something, but other times it can be doing something. So there's sometimes declaration, sometimes demonstration. And and so I want to talk today not so much about the day of Pentecost. Uh, Everybody know what Pentecost means? It means the number what? Anybody know the number it relates to? Fifty. Penta uh, is the Greek for five. Pentecost is is 50. And the reason it's 50 is because it occurred 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. And and so he was was with the disciples 40 days. 
And then he says, I want you to wait until the Spirit's poured out. So if you do the math, how many more days was that? Ten, right? And then he comes on the day of Pentecost. You'll notice that Jesus does a lot of things on feast day. So he was crucified on Passover. The Holy Spirit's given on Pentecost. There's a lot of types and shadows from the Old Testament we're not going to get into today. The story we're going to read today is from the, the Feast of Tabernacles, another feast, or the Feast of Booths, when, when the Israelites celebrated the, the time in the wilderness. And this is where Jesus speaks uh, these few verses that we've heard a lot. So I want to talk today about rivers of living water. Rivers of living water is the title of today's message, and not so much, I want to give photo credit to David Smith. Uh, David, uh, I just had a, a, a generic rivers of living water, and he, he makes it look great. So, uh, I, okay, you, you would have to do that, wouldn't you? Hey, at least I put blue in there for water. Yeah, come on. So, if you're nervous, don't be nervous. All right? I know sometimes when, when people talk about the Holy Spirit, preach on the Holy Spirit, I just want to tell you this. The Holy Spirit is not weird. Okay? So, so don't feel like this is going to be some kind of weird service or anything. Remember... That, that Jesus perfectly represented the Father, the Holy Spirit points to Jesus. And, and uh, so I just want to kind of teach you about that today and talk to you about it. All right, so rivers of living water. And there's three things I want to point out today. We're going to talk about the, the flow of the river. So three things that start with F, really about this, the rivers of living water. Uh, first, I'll, I'll give them to you up front. So, and I don't think I have the points in the message, so you just have to, you'll have to figure them out for yourself. But I'll give them to you. Uh, the, the river, it flows... From within. So from within. The first one. From within. The second one, you're not going to be able to figure this out probably till we get to it. It faces the east. Flows from within. It faces the east. And it's fruit bearing. From within. Faces the east. And Pastor Jay's mind's going 100 miles an hour. He's like, what in the world does that mean? Faces the east. And fruit bearing. All right, let's go ahead and read John chapter 7. Verses 37 to 39 says, Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, if you look at uh, the, the beginning of this chapter, you'll know this is the Feast of Tabernacles. I've taught on that before. We're not going to go into that today. Um, the great day of the feast. So when it says the great day, it's literally the last day or the eighth day of the feast. It's like the big, the big party day. Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those whom, who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, so John, in writing the book of John, he's recounting from the Feast of Tabernacles what Jesus said. He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes out of his innermost being, some translations say out of his heart or out of his belly, will flow rivers of living water. And then John adds a little commentary after that because now remember when Jesus said this, they probably had no idea what he's talking about. Right? Because he's saying this, but the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. And it says the reason the Holy Spirit had not yet been given is because Jesus had not yet been glorified, meaning he hadn't resurrected, gone to the Father, and then the Father you know, releases and gives the Holy Spirit, and Jesus sends him to us. So 
so John is just kind of adding a little commentary to this at the end of verse 39. Just a couple things I want to note about this. Where, it says, he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, where does this river flow from? From where? From his innermost being. So, so the river, this river of living water that Jesus is talking about, ultimately comes from him, but it's flowing from where? From us. And is it, it's available to anybody. It says anyone who what? Believes. So he says rivers of living water will flow from your innermost being. Now, if you've read the book of John, you know that this wasn't the only time that Jesus spoke of living water. Anybody remember another time when he spoke of living water? Right. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. So, and you, when you look at this, I want you to see the difference between these two chapters. So in chapter 7, he says, rivers of living water will flow from where? From within you. From within you. So in order to flow from within me, where do they have to be? <laughs> right? That's not, that's not like an intelligence test. If some, like, remember, if it's going to come out, it's got to be where? It's got to be in, right? So it can't come out if it's not in. So when Jesus talks about living water to the woman at the well, it's a little different. Let's look at John chapter 4 quick, just for a comparison. And he says, Jesus answered her and said, now if you want to read the whole passage on this, I think it's maybe verse 1 to 24 or 27, but we're just going to look at a couple of verses. Jesus answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you what? Living water. Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. So they're at a well. She's drawing water. And she's a Samaritan. She says, why are you a Jew speaking to me a Samaritan? And also, why are you speaking to me a Samaritan woman? And so Jesus uh, says, everyone who drinks of this water, speaking of physical water, water we would drink, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give shall never, what? Never thirst. But the water I give him will become in him a well springing up to eternal life. Notice the difference. So here he says, when you drink this water, you'll never, what again? Thirst. So one drink lasts for a lifetime. He says, when you drink, you'll never thirst. And he says, the water that I give will be a, what? A well, and where's the well? In me, okay? So the difference here is that Jesus talking to her about salvation or the indwelling or the living of the Holy Spirit in you, in John 7, he's talking about the filling or the baptism of the Spirit, which is the flowing of a river out of you. So he says, he says when you drink of this living water that I have, you will never thirst again. So if I take a drink, I don't get thirsty because one drink will satisfy you for life. However, when you look at John 7, he says, whoever is thirsty, present tense, come unto me, present tense, and drink, present tense. So the, the, what he's talking about in John 7 is a continual thirst, a continual coming, and a continual drinking. So think about the difference between a well and a river, right? Just think about this for a minute. A well is typically for private consumption, right? So I grew up in a house and we had a well. 
And we had to drill like hundreds of feet down the ground. Anybody ever have a well? Right. So when you have a well at your house, it's not for everybody in the neighborhood. It's for you. Now, if you have a river, a river is for public consumption. Right? You can't own a river, but you can have a well. And so what happens a lot of times is you can be a believer and you can have a well inside of you and never have a river flowing out from you. See, too often we get comfortable with the well when God's desire for us is to have a river. So you're like, well, I got eternal life. I've drank from the water that I'll never thirst again, and I've got a well in me, but there's more. Remember I told you earlier there's more? There's more. Because Jesus didn't just want to put a well in you. He wanted to see rivers of living water flow from you. One is in that stays. The other comes out. So when we, we, we don't, I want to look at this Old Testament passage today in Ezekiel chapter 47. Now, if you, if you study the words, you're going to know Ezekiel 47. <clears throat> we'll go back to that slide a minute. Back one. You can be, okay. You can be saved with the well of living water in you, but not have rivers of living water from you. Right? Both cases are living water. The well brings life to whom? Me, right? The well in me of living water brings life to me. The river flowing from me brings life to whom? Outside. Have you ever seen a well change the landscape of a territory or a land? No. The well does not change the landscape. What changes a landscape? A river, right? A river changes things around it. The well stays the same. And so we can't just get comfortable living with the well in us when God wants this river to, to flow from us. All right. So if you study this, now here, let me just give a little caveat. If you study the Old Testament, there are, this is a prophecy. Uh, prophet Ezekiel had a vision of the temple. And this starts back in chapter 40. So if you want to read chapters 40 through 47, uh, get your Bibles, we'll start right now. No, I'm just kidding. We're not, we're not reading all that. But if you want to read, so he has a vision of the temple. And God shows him things about the temple. And this will be something that will happen one day. This is a future event that, that has not occurred yet that will occur. All right? So there's a physical uh, manifestation. There will be a fulfillment of this vision, this prophecy. However, there's a spiritual application that, will that applies to us today. So a lot of times when we read a scripture, it might, you might say, well, that applies to the future. That hasn't happened yet. Yes, but there's also a lot of times there's application that we can make to our lives today. So sometimes studying things that are going to happen in the future, that doesn't impact how I live life. But I want to look at things. How can I apply this to today? So the reason why I look at this, because how do you, how, who, let me ask you this way. Who is the temple of God today? We are, Right. What did Paul tell the Corinthian church? 1 Corinthians chapter 3.16, he says, Do you not know that your body is the what? Temple of the Holy Spirit, and that the Spirit of God dwells where? In you. Okay, so in the Old Testament, 
you had, you had the, the tabernacle or the, the temple in the Old Testament, and it was divided into three, basically three main sections, three categories. You had the outer court, where pretty much anybody could, could, could be, and then you have the holy place, and then within the holy place is where the, the, the Levites and the priests served. You have the, the, uh, you have the table of showbread, the candlestick, and, and the, and the uh, altar of incense. So you have three pieces of uh, furniture in there. And then the third place behind the, the curtain was what? The Holy of Holies. And only one day a year the high priest could enter in the Holy of Holies. And what did we find in the Holy of Holies? Who dwelt in the Holy of Holies? The very presence of God. So it says that the presence of God dwelt in the Holy of Holies over top the, the mercy seat between the cherubim. So, so here is the presence of God. Only one guy a year can ever access the presence of God. It doesn't matter if you're a Levite, a priest, you've lived holy your whole life. One guy, one day a year, for 1,500 and some odd years, could go here. And if he did anything wrong, he died. We, like the temple, are very similar. We have a body, right? We're a three-part being. We're a spirit man that possesses a soul that lives in a physical body. So think of it like this. The outer court really pertains to your body. The inner court with the three pieces of furniture relates to your mind, will, and emotion, your soul. And the spirit part of you is where God does what? Dwells. The same way the Holy Spirit dwelt in the temple in the Holy of Holies then, He dwells here today. And so when we look at types and shadows of temple, it really points to your life as a believer today. And so as we read this, I don't want you to think of temple in terms of physical temple. I want you to think of temple in terms of your body. Now, if you look around, we've got some different shapes, temples, right? Some have more capacity than others. So, <laughs> yeah. so the good thing is you get more of the Holy Spirit that way. I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not scriptural. Yeah, that's right. He's no respecter of persons. That's right. You might look to your left and say, hey, your temple could use a little work. <laughs> yeah, Jay, don't say that. Because then I'll, if Pastor Jay says that, then I'll have to deal with Kristen all day, and I don't want to do that. All right, let's read this. <clears throat> it says, then he brought me back to the door of the temple. So in this vision, there's a guy leading him and showing him all the dimensions of the temple. It says in chapter 47, he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was, imagine this, what? Water, and what was the water doing? Flowing. Water flowing from under the threshold of the temple. And which way was the water flowing? Toward the east. Remember I said it's going to be facing east. We're going to talk about what that means. For the front of the temple faced the east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate, led me around the outside to the outer gateway that faces which way? East. And there was water running out on the right side. Let's just take, take a minute and think about this. All right. Let's, I, I don't know what direction is what. I always get in here and I forget, forget which way is north, south. Let's say that's east, okay? I, oh, it is? All right, so, okay, that's east. I knew that. Oh. All right. 
got it. <clears throat> I probably should have moved those before I started. All right. I saw that. I saw that. You know, you, you, you just never know what that water is going to do. I mean, I mean, it it, it it should flow this way. We 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 can't be having it flow backward. It's flow. Yeah, it was. It's going to see. That's the wrong way. We're flowing east. All right. So it says that the the water flowed from out of the the threshold of the temple, and it says that the temple faced which direction, east, and that the water flowed out of the around the right side, and it says the south of the what altar. Okay. So if if that's east, this would be south, right? And so it says the water flows on the south side or the right side. So the, the point he's trying to make here is that the right side is always the position of authority. It's always the position of, of preeminence. It's a position of priority. And what he's saying is, I want you to give priority, and I want this to be a priority in your life, that it's flowing out the right side. And now it's flowing toward which direction? The east, it says, because the temple faces which direction? East. So why does the temple face the east? And why does the water, the rivers of living water, why do they flow to the east? Well, let's go back in chapter 43. I'm going to show this to you. Okay, so 43, this is where he sees the glory of the Lord entering the temple. It says, afterward, he brought me to the gate, the gate that faces which way? Toward the East. Okay, so same gate. So this is the outside gate. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the... Oh, okay, we're getting there. So when we think of the glory of God, a lot of times when we talk about the glory of God, it's kind of like this, this mysterious thing, right? What's glory? What's glory? You know, if you grew up in a Pentecostal circle, which I did, and I heard these old-timers say, get under the spout where the glory... Comes out. You guys have heard that. Well, that's not even in the Bible. There's no spout. We have a river in us flowing out of us. All right? So when we talk about this thing, glory, people try to attach things to it that, that it's really not. And when you read this verse, it says, the glory, of the, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. What's the next word there? His. His what? His voice... So all of a sudden, this is telling us that the glory of God is a person. The glory of God is a person. It says, His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with His glory. So it's saying that the glory of God, the temple's facing the east, the glory of God comes from the east, the glory of God is a person, and it says the glory of God, who is a person, came into what? came into the temple by way of the gate, which faces toward the east. The Spirit lifted me up, brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Glory of the Lord is in the east. It comes from the east. And it comes and it does what when it gets here? Fills the temple. So we've got to figure out what is the glory of the Lord. We know the glory of the Lord is a person. But which person is it? Because the Spirit is a different person here. It says the Spirit 
lifted me up. And so the Spirit is showing them this, but the person of Jesus is coming in. What does John chapter 1, verse 14 say? It says, The Word was made flesh and what? Dwelt or tabernacled among us, and we beheld what? His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says that He is the uh, radiant glory, the outshining of the glory of the Father, the Father, His perfect uh, identical representation. That Jesus is the very manifested glory of the Father. It says that the, the Word was made flesh, dwelt among us, we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. Okay. Let's just take a minute here. John chapter 16, verse 13. It says, When He the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all what? Truth. But He will not speak of Himself, but He will say to you whatever He hears. So He says the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, will guide you into all truth. Jesus is truth. But He won't speak of Himself, but He'll speak what He hears. Back in John chapter 7, verse 18, Jesus said, he who speaks of himself seeks his own glory. So here, if we put all this together, when the Holy Spirit speaks, he has one topic. You know what it is? Jesus. He's in love with Jesus. He talks about Jesus. It says that he'll guide you into all truth, but he won't speak of himself because people that speak of himself are seeking their own glory. So when the Holy Spirit speaks, he speaks about Jesus. He brings glory to Jesus. He draws glory to Jesus. And if you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be facing east because that's the only thing He's talking about is Jesus. See, if you're talking about what you think you want to do and it's about you, you're seeking your own glory. And that's not facing Jesus, it's facing you. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, He speaks one message, Jesus. And the glory that came out from Jesus, guess where it returns? To Jesus. Because that's the direction. It comes in and it flows out toward Him. So that when you face Jesus, the glory, the river flows and it not only flows to Him, it brings glory to Him. Isn't that pretty cool? Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, God that said, let light shine out of darkness, has made light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that's seen where? In the face of Jesus. When I look at Jesus, then I know what it is that He wants to do. See, He comes in, 
And then the Spirit leads it out. But it's always back to Him. It's from Him and it's back to Him. And between here and there, I'm going to impact some people. See, we sang earlier, it said, fill me with the love of God and lead me to those where? Around me. But when, I'm a, when it's about me, it's not going to be about them. When it's about Him, it's now about them. See, it's almost kind of selfish when we get satisfied with having a well when He wants us to have a river. See, His Spirit's in me for me. He's upon me for you. You know, we think, oh, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. That's selfish. Because you've limited God. You've, you've picked the level at which you stop. But when you say, I'm open, guess what comes in? Jesus. Jesus is the baptizer. See, He's the one that baptizes us in and with the Holy Spirit. John, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but there's coming one mightier than me that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's Jesus. He does it. See, if I lay hands on you, it's not me, it's Jesus. If Pastor Jay prays for you, it's not Pastor Jay, it's Jesus. He's the one that does the miraculous. All right, let's go. Next slide. All right, rivers of living water will flow from you when you're facing who? Jesus, who is the very glory of God, and they will always, also always be to the glory of God. So you know that if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, He's speaking about Jesus. It's His only topic He talks about, and it will refer the glory back to Jesus. But when it's your word, your want, your whatever, it's about you, it ain't going to flow. Alright, let's finish up. Alright, so there's a whole lot here. We could, maybe we could make this a, a couple messages. Alright, so you've probably heard this part. And it says, so the guy goes out and he measures, he measures a thousand cubits. And he says he measured a thousand cubits, and that river, or that river was like a trickle. It was up to my what? Ankles. It says, then he took me another thousand cubits. And a thousand cubits about a third of a mile. So what I want to point out here, there's progression, but it doesn't take a long time. We're talking this thing goes from a trickle to a river in a mile and a third. That doesn't happen naturally. But he says he measures another thousand and it's up to my knees. He measures another thousand cubits, it's up to my waist. And he takes me another thousand cubits, the next slide. And it says that it becomes a river that I could not cross, one that I could only swim in. So here's what I want to point out. There should be something about this that says there's more. There's more when I'm at my ankles, there's more when I'm at my knees, there's more when I'm at my waist, and there's more. And when you get to where you can swim, can't swim, there's more. See, there should be something in you that says, I want to see that growth. And what happens, that word measure, I love it. I just, I just found this out this week when I looked it up. The word measure also means to stretch. And so that these, this measuring is kind of like a test. 
that God tests you not to see if you're full of sin or not full of sin, but He tests you to see if you're able to carry the anointing for the next level. And as you step into what the Holy Spirit's telling you, and you obey what the Holy Spirit's telling you, your capacity is stretched to carry more anointing. And as I obey the Spirit here, there's greater capacity. And as I obey the Spirit here, there's a greater capacity. And a stretching. See, see God's ability to fill you and anoint you is only limited by your willingness to yield to Him. And as I yield to Him and say yes, and say yes, and say yes, He grows my capacity. And He'll grow your capacity. It says, He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And He brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. When I returned there, along the bank of the river, there were many trees on one side and the other. So, He takes him down this river. There's, there's water to His ankles, water to His knees, water to His waist. Now He gets out. He's swimming. The, Holy, or the man with him brings him back to the bank and he looks and there's trees there that weren't there before. See, as you're walking and doing things and, and pouring into people, sometimes as you're obeying the Holy Spirit, you're doing it, you don't see anything. You don't see the seeds that you're planting. You don't see how God's working. We sang a song earlier It says, even when I can't see it, you're doing what? You're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. So all the time you're flowing with the Holy Spirit, He's working. And all of a sudden you look back one day and you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize what I was doing when I said to that person, when I ministered to that person, when I fed that person, boom, there's fruit from what I did. He said, then He said, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down the valley, enters the sea. This is the Dead Sea. When it reaches the Dead Sea, the waters are what? Healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will what? If I'm releasing living water, what should it produce? Life. Now get this. It says everything that lives will live. Every living thing that moves wherever the river goes will live. You know what that tells me? You can be alive and not living. It says everything that lives and moves will live when the, wherever the water hits it. You can be alive and be stuck in bondage. You can be alive and living in sin. You can be alive and have an awful marriage. That's not living. And Jesus says, wherever the waters go, life will abound. And so you got to ask yourself this. I had to deal with this this week. i got to look in the mirror and say, if I see deadness around me, am I releasing life into that situation? Because if I was, it would be living. Because the promise of God's Word says, wherever the river flows, there will be Life. So you've got to ask yourself, am I content with a well or am I living a river? He says, it should be every living thing that moves wherever the river go will live and there will be a great multitude of fish because these waters go there for they will be healed. Everything will live wherever the river goes. Verse 10, it shall be the fishermen will stand by from Engedi and Eglim 
And there will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds of the fish of the great sea. That's the Mediterranean Sea. Exceedingly many. There will be healings. There will be salvations. Next slide. And there will be lots of them. It says along the bank of the river, this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither. Their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit. How often? Every month. Every month. See, there's a, there's a thing that when I am releasing rivers of living water, not only will it be lasting, it says it will not fail, but it's going to be regular. See, there should be a regularity to my life. I should be living and saying, Jesus, I want people to see you when they see me. I want you to get glory from everything I do. I want your river to flow out of me so strong that I'm releasing fruit, producing fruit every month. Not just fruit that gets rotten. It says fruit that, what? Never fail. See, that's another way you can test. That's another way you can test whose glory you are seeking by how long the fruit lasts. Think about that. If I'm pursuing His glory and the river's flowing from Him and back to Him, He says that that fruit will remain. If the fruit doesn't remain, then the fruit wasn't from Him to start with. Because His fruit lasts. What's Jesus say in John 15? He says, you didn't choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and do what? Bear fruit. And that your fruit would do what? Remain. He doesn't produce bad fruit. You might have some issues that might need pruned, but He produces good fruit. And when you allow Him to flow through you, you're going to impact some people. Here's the thing. I want to end with John chapter 7 where we started. Next slide. Let's just end with this. How do you get saved? Salvation is a gift and you do what? Receive it. And, and when you receive the gift of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. To be filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit is a gift also. John says here, he says, that he spoke of those who would believe and they would receive. So this thing of receiving power from the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, baptism, whatever you want to call it, it's not a reward for good behavior. So a lot of times people think, well, I'm not worthy. Uh, I've been saved, but i still got some issues in my life. I, I, I haven't arrived yet. Look, Pastor Jay, Pastor David, my wife, you, none of us are the standard. You know who the standard is? Jesus. Don't ever compare yourself or where you're at to anybody else. Paul says in Ephesians 4, until we all reach the measure of the standard of the fullness of Christ. Jesus is our standard. But here's the good thing. You don't have to get there to receive. On the day of Pentecost, it says that Peter stood up and preached 
And on the first Pentecost that was back in, in the wilderness, when God gave the law, it says 3,000 people died. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached, and guess what happened? 3,000 people lived and got saved. And it says they were immediately they were filled. They were filled with God's Spirit. They had issues. You don't get saved today and get rid of all your issues. See, it's not a reward for getting rid of your issues. The Holy Spirit will help you get rid of your issues. I said I've been walking in Pentecost for 14 years. 14 years ago, I was never a drug addict, but I was a porn addict. I was addicted to things up here. And the power of God set me free. Alright, so it doesn't have to just be drugs. It can be anything. I've been delivered and I'm never going back. Ever. So here's what I want to do today. If you have never asked Jesus to fill you with His Spirit, we want to pray with you to do that today. It's very simple. We're just going to sing a little bit, have one song in closing. Uh, I'd love to pray with you. Uh, me, Pastor Jay, whoever. Uh, Crystal, Kristen. So if you say, hey, I want to be able to impact people around me, and if, it, if the apostles needed the power of the Holy Spirit, I need the power of the Holy Spirit. So we'll pray for that. Don't have any expectation. Maybe you saw people cry, or people fall out, or people laugh. Don't ever equate your experience to theirs. Your experience could be completely different. You may have no experience at all. You may not feel anything. But I know this, God's Word is greater than your feelings. So when God's Word says, if you ask, you shall receive, believe that. Maybe you've been filled before and you need refilled. We'll pray with you. Maybe, maybe you're sick. Maybe you need healing. We can pray for that too. So let's just stand up. We're going to take a minute and, and worship. And if you just want to come up and pray, you can do that. If you need prayer, I want you to come up. We're going to pray for you too. Come on. There shouldn't be anybody that doesn't want more of what God has for them. You were the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord Most High. Hidden glory in creation. Now revealed in you. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. We didn't want heaven without us. Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. 
What could separate us now? What a beautiful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. Death could not hold you, they'll turn before you. You silence the boast of sin and grief. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. Death could not hold you. The veil torn before you, you silence the boast of sin and grief. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for oh, you've been raised to life again. And you have no rival, you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Death could not hold you, fell on before you, you silence the boast of sin and grief. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, you have been raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the King, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, 
by King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you love us more than we'll ever know. God, today as we, we remember the day of Pentecost when you poured out your spirit, Lord, you demonstrated life, a life surrendered to you and a life surrendered to God and fully your spirit to give us a model. Lord, that the things that you did, we can do also. Lord, I thank you for your power, your goodness, your grace. Lord, fill everybody here that wants to be filled. Set them free in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Death could not hold you, felt on before you, silenced.